Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Homelessness, poverty, unemployment. These are the challenges facing those released from prison. Many also experience emotional and psychological stress. This is In the Name of Justice. I'm Wister Johnson. Each week I discuss the harmful effects of incarceration and the barriers to one's successful return to family and community. Join me now. Hi, welcome to In the Name of Justice. I'm your host, Wista. Um, Today I have a very special podcast for you um, because it's really close to my heart and I call it Don't Let the Worry Kill You. Well, having had a son who was incarcerated for most of his adult life, um, I really, really experienced so many different emotions. At the time, I just was just overwhelmed by the fact that that he was that he had gotten caught up into you know life of uh, crime and doing stuff so it was really difficult for me I had no experience with prisons I didn't know anybody um, which is not quite true I did have an aunt who had a friend who was incarcerated so I think I went on a visit with him once or twice but it was nothing that touched me personally because I wasn't going to see anybody that I cared about so when my son was first arrested up until the time that he uh, died in prison, which was back in 1999, um, I went through the gamut of emotions. So any of those out there who are listening, who either have someone in prison or have had someone who's in the custody of the justice system, as we now say, you know what I'm talking about. You are on such a roller coaster of emotions. And the thing is that we quite don't quite often have anybody to discuss these things with because... For many reasons, sometimes it's because we're embarrassed or we don't want people to know that we have someone, a a child who's in prison or a husband or a brother, whoever it is. And in many instances, people seem to have the attitude, they did the crime, so let them do the time. So for years and years and years and years, um, only a very family, of course, and a few uh, people who I was trusted knew that my son was incarcerated. But for the most of that time, I was on my own. It was stressful. It was really difficult. And I had a hard time. I didn't really realize how difficult it was until after he died. And it was then that literally I almost took a breath and I realized that he's no longer with us and that I no longer would have to see him in prison Uh, At first, I was a little ashamed of that response, but it just showed me how difficult it had been in ways that I could not even express or in ways that um, I could not explain to 
other people. So since that time, of course, I do this podcast around criminal justice. I've been blogging about criminal justice. Initially, primarily, my mission was to talk about what I had learned about the criminal justice system. A lot of the stuff I did not know. I did not know about racial disparities in sentencing. I did not know about over-policing of, you know, communities of color. Uh, I did not know about the inequities of the bail system. I did not know about some of the consequences of having served time in the custody of the state. There was so much I did not know, but in the process of putting together my podcast and just sort of sharing information with people, I learned a tremendous amount. And of course, I'm still learning a tremendous amount just about how our system works. But one of the things that I've gradually over the years, my focus switched from providing information, which is good, nothing wrong with that. I will always make that, um, sorry, that's my phone. (laughs) Um, Just reminding me, I became aware that I wanted to focus on just how much having someone incarcerated affects us. And I can say that uh, because I know that in my own family, my son's incarceration affected his siblings extremely in a very difficult way and in different ways. Um, I think my son quite often said that he felt that had he understood the roads down which his brother was going, then perhaps he might have been more involved in, you know, help into trying to uh, break that cycle. Uh, But then I told him, you know, we're not responsible for people's choices. I mean, we can do what we can. On the other hand, my um, daughter was just extremely disturbed by the fact that her brother died in prison, and we had little to no information about what were the causes of his death except um, we never received a report, we never received any real information, really no condolences, Um, forget that. So um, I realized that it has affected his, you know, my son's nieces, his nephews, his brothers, his sisters, um, just the entire family. So it is no small thing that I don't think gets discussed enough. What I do notice is that much of the discussion around the uh, relatives of those incarcerated focuses on children, and that is all good because we need to protect them. But I think what's less spoken about or understood is just how disruptive incarceration can be for the entire family. If it's a wife, because her spouse is no longer there to provide emotional, financial, um, whatever, whatever kind of support. Um, that she might need. And of course, you know, if it's children, they no longer have a parent, father, or mother. Uh, We know that grandparents quite often take up the role of caretaker for those children at a point in their life when, you know, it's a lot more difficult than when they're younger. So it's a lot that goes into it. And so that has been, that was my focus for a while. And then I shifted slightly to the focusing on the effects of incarceration, both when a person is in the custody of the state, but also when they're released. And today what I'm going to talk about is something called Don't Let the Worry Kill You. And this is based on, this is a 
list of tips that I created several years ago based on what I faced and what I felt and what was difficult for me and hoping that this will be help someone else who may be going through this. And if you happen to be listening and you just happen to sort of tap into this podcast, now that you know what it's about, you might say, well, gee, that's not me because I'm not, I don't have anyone in my family or know anyone. Um, well, I shouldn't say that, that no one in my family is um, incarcerated. So maybe this isn't for me. But I ask you that I'm sure if you look around you that you will know someone in your circle who is facing this. And again, remember, it's really difficult for people to talk about the fact that someone they love is incarcerated. It really is because quite often the responses that come back from people are quite negative. So if you can share this information, if you find someone who may be open to it, someone who you know who is having a difficult time, then I ask you to please uh, share this. I will tell you at the end where if you want to get a copy of these of the uh, tips that I'm going to leave you with to them talk about today, then uh, you can go to my website, but I'll tell you that at the end. So I first call this self-care because it's so important that when you're going through any kind of stressor, and believe me, they, there's this whole list of things, uh, it's called things that cause stress, and it could be weddings, it could be funerals, it could be getting a new job. I think one of the things they need to add to that list is having someone that you love in in prison or in jail, as the case may be. Some people go to jail um, for, for offenses that they only have to serve up to a year. But wherever it's, whether it's a jail or a prison, we do know that the conditions are quite often horrendous, not conducive to any kind of healing or support or education. And so many people go in and come out exactly the way they went in. But today, my focus is I want you to focus on yourself. If, again, you fall into that group of people who is living, has a lived experience of having someone in jail or in prison. So the first point that I want to make is that having a loved one in prison is not easy. And so it doesn't matter what their crime is or the length of their sentence. We know that um, those people who are in the custody of the state are our children there are siblings, our spouses, or our relatives. And what makes it difficult is we know their personal histories, their problems and their weaknesses. We know quite often the precipitating factors to their incarceration. We know what happened, that maybe they were in foster care, or maybe their family broke up, or maybe the father wasn't there, or maybe the person was their family. They came from a, a very dysfunctional family. Or maybe something happened in their lives. Maybe they were the victims of sexual abuse or sexual, sec maybe they were survivors, sorry, of sexual assault. So whatever it is, we know them. They may have been impulsive. And the other thing to remember is that in many instances, people start committing crimes when they're younger. And we all know that uh, that's when our brains are least, the least uh, um, developed. So we're very easy to the manipulations of others, whether they're friends or, or people who want to influence us. So one of the things, again, we, we, we know the background of people. So we see them not where they are now, but we see where they've come from. And so that gives us a very different perspective. The other thing is to, 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 that should be understood is that we understand that they're wrongdoing, 
um, quite often, as well as the pain of the victims, if there are any. So it's we're not. This is not to excuse them. We're not apologists for people for anyone in our family who commits a crime. Far from it. However, we know that society often deems them as lost causes. So we often become their best supporters or advocates. And I know of many, many mothers, fathers who've had their lives disrupted, who were on one track, you know, successful families, not even so-called quote-unquote dysfunctional families who have had a child go off the rails and basically they had to stop their life in order to help that child to or that young person to get through the criminal justice system and to see that they, and to support them uh, during, you know, during their sentencing. Mostly, however, even though we know all of this, we struggle, those of us, we, we struggle with our emotions. Quite often, uh, it can be depression, from depression to guilt, from sadness to anger. I know many times I was angry with my son because he would call me on these phone calls and ask me to do something, either to buy something or to do something or to get somebody to come, just things that weren't often easy to fulfill. And then he would be angry with me if I couldn't or wouldn't uh, do what he wanted me to do. So again, our relationship was really complex. Um, He quite often, when I would speak to him, I could tell that he was bothered by something. I don't know exactly what it was. It could have been something that happened in the prison or it could be something that happened between him and uh, you know a female a woman that he was interested in who didn't do exactly what he wanted or who had disappointed him in some way so not only did I struggle with my emotions or do you know you as the person on the outside supporting them struggle with their emotions um, they struggle with emotions from guilt um, from depression to guilt to sadness to anger So quite often there is no place for them to share those emotions because in prison you have to be, again, I put quotation marks around it, strong because you don't want to become a victim yourself. So many of the, you suppress a lot of feelings. And so I think that those of us on the outside understand somewhat what it is like to be incarcerated and the, 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 the prison culture, which is, of course, very different from the culture um, on the outside, the things that a person has to do mentally and physically and psychologically and emotionally to survive. So, but in all that being said, it's really important that we on the outside take care of our mental and our physical well-being. And as much as possible, we cannot allow all of these conflicting emotions to keep us as mental prisoners. So I came up with this list of things that um, that hopefully will, will be helpful to you or to someone that you know, and hopefully if you can and are so inclined, please share them. So the first one, and this is really crucial because it's very difficult to do when you're in the middle of just everything, trying to see that the person gets everything they need, you know, wondering how they're being treated, um, trying to make those visits, sending money, which you may or may not have. It is very important to acknowledge and respect your emotions. And they'll be mixed. Sadness. Um, Some days you have fear, fear of what's going to happen to them 
in in prison or when they come out. We can be angry, angry with them that we're even involved in this situation. You can have feelings of helplessness because quite often they may call and tell you something happened that you can't do anything about. So these feelings are inevitable. However, you cannot let them dominate your life. You have a life to live. The outside, you may have a job, you have other children, maybe in school. You need to take care of yourself first so that hopefully you'll be able to handle all of the stuff that's going to come up with you, either between you and the person who's um, under the supervision of the state or just you and the greater society that quite often is not that sympathetic to your situation. The next thing, now I didn't know there were groups and you know, so my next advice is to find a group and you can find them online or in your city that provides support and resources. For example, I had no idea. Um, it actually didn't fall to me. I mean, at the time my son was incarcerated, his father, we were separated. His father took up most of the expense when, you know, if, if he paid bail for him one time, he refused to pay bail. But I didn't know then, and maybe it wasn't available. Now there's there's their community bail funds where you can get assistance. Um, there are support groups. There's a one group called Mothers of Incarcerated Sons Society. They not only, uh, they're, they're a group that does a lot of different things that will, they're basically a national organization that helps to create support groups in communities or encourage people to support to create support groups in their communities if there are none. Um, so there there are groups out there, and if there's no group out there, um, maybe you can start your own group in your town or your city or wherever you are. One of the things I found out um, that when I looked around me as I was, um, this is a little side. so I'm writing a memoir about my experiences with my son called One Mother's Voice in the Name of Justice. So one of the things that I realized is that I had so many people around me. Um, I had a cousin. Um, I had uh, two co-workers. I had a church member. Um, I had, you know, it was just, there were a great number of people. Uh, I had, you know, friends who had sons, primarily sons, um, who were in prison. And so... But I didn't at that time, it never occurred to, for, uh, to, for us to come together in any way to support each other. But today that is not the case. So go online, put in support for families of inmates or support for um, the children. Um, if you have children and maybe it's not you, maybe you want some help for your children. There are lots of organizations that help the children of those people who are in prison so this tip is, is really important, too. Do some fun things without feeling guilty or wishing that your loved one could be with you. I did that so many times. I often described it as walking around with, like, this dark cloud over my head. And if I went to a, a, a family gathering, it could be a picnic in Central Park. I was living in New York at the time. Or to some event that involved family Quite often in the back of my mind, I was thinking, if only my son Damon could be here. 
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And I thought about him being in a room. It could be Thanksgiving when families get together and you're eating all that. Except that he's somewhere in a cell probably getting a horrible Thanksgiving meal. And that quite often dampened my enjoyment of things. It was almost like you feel, gee, I, I, it's like a grief process. Um, I can't allow myself to enjoy myself because doing that sort of means that I'm not caring about the other person. And it's a very tricky psychological thing to maneuver. But I encourage you to do fun things for yourself, whatever that means for you. Um, without wishing that your loved one could be there. They cannot be there because they are far away and that's a reality. And you not enjoying yourself or whatever that could be, taking a hike, taking a trip, um, taking a bubble bath, um, whatever it is, uh, just going out with friends to have a drink, please do it because it will benefit you in so many ways. The other thing is, again, this is, again, I know a lot of times, of course, people need stuff when they're in prison, so it's not uncommon for them to call and say, oh, you know, I need sneakers, I need T-shirts, I need, a, at that point in time, it was a cassette recorder, um, I need whatever it could be. And so we run around doing the best we can to send off money um, to that person, either to put into their commissary or to purchase what they need. But my next tip is spend only as much as you can afford or clothes or other items and do not saddle yourselves with debt or more importantly regret if you cannot do as much as you would like. Um, I had a friend of mine, a co-worker of mine, who had been incarcerated for many, many years and he said to me one day, uh, we were just talking, he was one of the people that I talked to about my son, and I was telling him, you know, that my son quite often would demand that, you know, I need this, I need that, and I'd be running around. I mean, I was working, but I had other responsibilities that I was trying to do. And he said to me, you know, those people who are in in prison, at that point he said the men who are in prison, they're part game and part sincerely need things. And so that you need to understand that sometimes they're going to manipulate you to use your guilt or whatever it is or your sympathy to get what they need. And it's very difficult to fight against that because you don't want to feel like you're letting that person down. But again, um, take care of yourself. 
If you have other responsibilities, you can't always do what you would like to do. I mean, in some instances, it's a real necessity they might need it. But in other instances, um, you know, get somebody else to send it. Get a, you know, ask another family member if they can help out. But just please don't saddle yourself with debt. This one, again, is, this is, uh, I'm going to say this, but I, I know as I say it that it's harder to do. It's easier to say and much more difficult to do. And that is give up on the notion that you can make incarceration easier for your loved ones. There is no way that you can do that. There were so many days when I just felt that, oh my God, um, you know, I wish that, you know, that I would do as much as I can for him. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the bottom line is they're in a situation that is not pleasant, quite often not good, and they have to learn to navigate that system and that there's nothing that you can do to to change that. You can't switch them. You know, you can't magic, wave a magic wand and say, oh, no, let's take him out of this facility and put him into another one. They're all bad. And so no matter where he or she goes, it's going to be difficult. And that is something very difficult to live with. Um, I remember once, this was when my son was in jail, uh, I had visited, I'm sorry, this is, I'm going to, you know, digress here briefly. I had gone to visit him at Rikers Island in New York City, which is one of the largest jails in the country and one of the worst, and there's been for years an effort to close him. But I went to visit him, and the whole process, which I won't take you through, is demeaning, demoralizing, and very, very annoying. So there was always, in order to get in to see the person, of course, you had to have a locker. And, of course, they never had sufficient lockers for all the people who came. So you wanted to get a locker as quickly as possible so that when they called your name, and you didn't know when that was going to be, that you'd be able to go in for the visit. So on this visit, I went and um, I saw a locker. I rushed to the locker. In the meantime, a young woman comes up and basically pushes me aside and says, you know, you know, uh, this is, you know, my locker. Well, I was so frustrated at this point for lots of reasons. As I said, the whole situation does not uh, encourage you to be your best. I ended up punching her. And, of course, they called out the, the correctional officers who came and took us aside and sort of calmed it down, and I guess we resolved the locker situation. I don't remember even how that turned out. But when I got to, one of the things they said was do not tell the inmates what happened because either my son or her relative, I think it was her brother, might take it out on the the other inmate. So I made up my mind, well, I wouldn't say anything about it. But when I got inside of the visit room, I could see that she told him her brother would happen. And he jumped up in the middle of the visit and said to yelled across the room, I'm going to fuck you up, motherfucker. And at that point, I said, oh, you know, everything is off. I have to tell him what happened, and I did. So he was very nervous throughout the visit, trying not to, you know, be upset because, you know, now he had this threat hanging over his head. So the visit's over. I go home, and when I get home, shortly after I get home, I get a phone call, and he's, you know, he was younger then, and it's, I guess, maybe early 20s and he's almost crying mom you got to get me out of here they're going to jump me or they jumped me and I was terrified I didn't know what I could do 
I called his father um, and I said, listen, you have to get him out of there um, because, you know, they're threatening to really hurt him. And so he did get him out. So it was one of those instances where, of course, I was able to do something, but it's hard being in, in you know, when the, you, the state has you in its custody. So please... Our job or your job is to provide support and empathy. And that's about it. Listen to when they talk to you, when they call you. Try to understand some of what they're going through. You know, be as much of a voice of reason as you can be. But beyond that, it's really difficult to handle when things go wrong in there. And we have very little control from the outside. So another thing is, and this kind of goes back to spending more than you can, share the responsibility for others with visiting, sending packages, accepting collect calls. You know, sometimes there's only one person. I mean, over the long haul, maybe the beginning, a couple of people may visit. But if it's a, a, a long term, maybe three years, four years, five years, it ends up that usually it's the mom or maybe the dad or one person who ends up doing all the visiting. Um, other people don't. So if you can, speak up. Say, look, you know, would you go visit him? Ask the siblings, his cousins, his relatives, or he needs a package. Um, you know, would you mind sending him a food package or um, whatever it is? So whatever it is that you can sort of get some help with, then I suggest to do that because it will make your job a lot easier. Don't try to be the lone a soldier who pushes forward and never says, you know, hey, I need help. Um, please don't do that because I did that. And um, I, if I had to do it again today, I would do it differently. Um, be a partner. Like my husband and I were, were separated. Probably, I mean, sorry, we were divorced. But, I mean, I could have reached out to him. Like, you know, I can't go this week or this month. Would you go? But those things never entered my mind. So if you can, share some of the responsibility, as I said. Even just writing. Ask people to write him a card. I mean, those things mean a lot when someone is um, locked up. So if you can't visit, so maybe you can't get anybody to sort of stand in for you or just to go and visit, um, write. Uh, One of the things that we know is that inmates who have regular contact with their families, their spouse their friends, they are less likely to get depressed or to get in confrontation with other inmates or with other prison officials. So it's really crucial that you uh, try to, uh, uh, you know, write. That's fine. Maybe you can't go this, send them a card, send them a letter. Just that outside support means a lot when anybody's in any institution um, it's very helpful to do that. So maybe that's one way. You can get family or friends to engage in letter writing, maybe, you know, for his birth, the person's birthday or a special occasion. Um, so those are the things you can do if you're, you're not able to visit. The other thing is know the rules of the facility before you go up there because I have gone to take, uh, once I had a weekend visit and, you know, had to bring all the food, and I had I can't remember what it was. It was some package that wasn't allowed. So I had spent maybe five or six dollars on this package that they took, probably cooked themselves, or maybe throw it away. 
Um, make sure you know what you can bring to a visit, if anything, um, and what the rules of that facility are before you spend money on whatever it is. So please um, make sure. Don't waste your money sending packages or items that that particular facility doesn't allow. And this is one I recently added to this list. Do not hesitate to seek professional counseling to cope with any emotional or mental stress. Oftentimes, you, family members, you have nobody else to confide in or you're reluctant to talk about your situation um, out of shame or just figuring, you know, it's nobody's business. But I really encourage you to get a counselor. Speak to somebody. It's no shame. And you're going through a lot. And it's, it's maybe something that's really new to you, something that interferes with other aspects of your life. At one point, I had to drop out of grad school because I just couldn't focus on, you know, in general, I couldn't focus on things. Of course, I managed to keep my jobs. Um, and work, I was a working journalist at that point. I managed to keep my job. But it wasn't easy um, because, again, you always have, as I said earlier, this cloud over the, the top of my head. So that's the end of my list, of my self-care list. But one of the things that, you know, I've been looking a lot into what services are out there for families um, with loved ones who are in prison or even jail. And while there are lots of services or programs for children, of justice-involved people, I didn't see as many services like, you know, therapy or counseling. Um, and again, you can find some support groups. You may have to even create your own. So you may have to do what you have to do for yourself if you can't find what you need out there or create some sort of support for yourself if it isn't out there. So what I would like to do is, again, this is a list that I have. I call it self-care, don't let the worry kill you. So if you would like a copy or you want to send one to a friend or to a family member, that you need to contact me at omvforyou at gmail.com. And you'll hear that repeated um, in my outro. But again, it's omvforyou at gmail.com. And please don't forget to put the name and the email of the person, but also a telephone number in case it comes back and there's a problem with that email address um, that's not correct or something happens and it's returned to me, then I can always address that. So the telephone is optional, but if you include it, it'll make it easier if you run into any problems. The important thing on the subject line, please put in the subject line, self-care so that I will know that you are requesting that a copy of this be emailed to yourself or to someone else. So that's pretty much what I wanted to share with you today. I do hope that it is helpful to you and that your takeaway is for yourself to take, take good care of yourself as much as you can. Um, use whatever resources are out there. But it's going to fall to you to develop the mindset that you cannot take care of anyone else if you're not taking care of yourself. So that is pretty much it for this podcast. Um, I thank you for joining me and I hope you will join me again next week 
for In the Name of Justice. And in the meantime, have... Well, that's it for this week. If you have questions or comments, send them to omv for you at gmail.com. That's O-M-V-F-O-R-Y-O-U at gmail.com. Visit my website, wisterjohnson.com, and follow me on Twitter at wisterjohnson. In the meantime, remember, to know more is to do more.